0: Here at the Sociology of Everything podcast, we acknowledge the people of Ganayarta, whose land this episode was mainly produced on, and whose past and present elders we pay our respects to. Hi. I'm Eric Sue, And I'm Louis Everest. And we're Lou and the Sioux, and this is the Sociology of Everything podcast. And this episode is brought to you by UniSA, the university that once hosted an amazing conference on the research theme of waste. It did.
1: It did. <laughs> uh, that conference was organized by a brilliant young academic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just so happened to be named Louis Everest. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Yeah, yeah. And
0: interestingly enough, Louis – I tried looking for it online, Mm. and they've like scrubbed it clean (laughs) from the website, (laughs) from UniSA website. It just no longer appears at all.
1: That probably tells you how successful it was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In this episode, we're not just going to be talking about amazingly organized conferences about waste. (laughs) We're going to be talking about the topic of waste itself. And we're going to do that by doing a close reading of a work by Zygmunt Bauman, who we've already featured once in this podcast. Mm -hmm. And you'd think that if we were going to do another episode about Bauman, we'd do it on his most famous work, Liquid Modernity. Mm. But we're not. We're still saving that for another day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Although I think the themes from Liquid Modernity are present in the text we're looking at today. Yeah. So we're going to be looking at his famous
0: book, Wasted Lives, Modernity and Its Outcasts. And this work is, like, genuinely fascinating.
1: Mm. I think it would be close to one of my favorite pieces of sociological and social theory. Mm. Uh, I, it's something that I've used a lot in some of the articles I've written about, say, Australia's treatment of asylum seekers. And I think it's something that really helps us conceptualize how the societies we are part of produce outsiders.
0: And so Bauman begins this piece by telling a story. Mm. What is that story, Louis?
1: <laughs> well, it's not so much his story. He begins a piece by reciting sections from a book called Invisible Cities. Yeah where a fictional Marco Polo describes to an emperor some of the cities that he's visited on his travels, but these aren't real cities. They're obviously fictional cities. Mm. Um, And one of them in particular, or the description of one of those cities in particular, Bauman's very interested, and that's Leonia. And Bauman's fascinated by Leonia because it's this city where the residents want everything to be new every day. They want to wake up and they want to put on new clothing. They want new fashions to be popular. They want to eat new types of food. Yeah. It's something that I sometimes feel myself. <laughs> it's good to be surrounded by novelty. Um, but this starts to cause a problem for the people of Leonians because mm. every time they do something new, say eat a new food, yeah. whatever foods were cooked yesterday can no longer be used again. They have to be thrown mm. out. Every time they put on a new outfit or some new clothing, it means yesterday's clothes can no longer be considered Hmm. good and useful and they have to be thrown out. So this fictional city of Leonia just starts to create waste. It creates huge amounts of rubbish. And the whole kind of intro to Bauman's book is using this example as an analogy for modernity. For Hmm. for the cities we all live in and the constant drive that uh, to create new things, to create new ways of life, and the way that this drive, this constant newness is creating waste.
0: Yeah, I like how he likens what's going on in that story about the Leonians with what's happening in the 21st century. We think it's very fanciful that people just valorize newness, but it kind of happens every day. Hmm. I think about like fashions. Fashions change all the time. What was fashionable one day is no longer fashionable the next. And it's true that modernity and contemporary modern societies, we produce a lot of
1: waste. Yeah. And in fact, if you think about this book, I think it published in 2004 – to my mind, that sort of a slightly before fast fashion really took off. Mm. And so the notion of people waking up and only wearing an item of clothing once, that mm. might have seemed a bit kind of out there at the time, but it's not anymore. There's, mm. there's literally websites set up for people to buy kind of single use clothing. Yeah. And so what Bauman's describing here is not that fictional. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: in some respects, Bauman's alerting us to the fact that we live in a disposable society. But this isn't simply just true of like products and the items we consume. This is highlighted in the title itself. Bauman is trying to suggest that our lives, some people's lives become categorized as a type of
1: waste. That's right. I think The analogy that Bauman's using here is to describe the process of Mm. creating newness, of creating new ways of doing things, new ways of ordering society. And he says that process is what generates waste. It generates waste whether you're talking about new forms of fashion or it generates waste if you're talking about new jobs that are the popular jobs and old jobs that are no longer popular and the people get caught up in old industries or old ways of doing things. They become waste. And a really key point for Bauman here is that that production of waste isn't always visible. What we see is the new thing, <laughs> the exciting new industry or the new <laughs> outfit or whatever else. Yeah. But there's this hidden process as part of the modern world, and that's that waste creation process. And mm-hmm. that's what this book is all about, this hidden process, trying to bring it to light and make us think about this process more.
0: So one of the insights Bauman offers in this work is how waste is actually produced and he outlines three drivers. The first is order building. How is order building productive of waste?
1: Well, order building is the creation of new ways of organising society, of organising social structures. So we can think about there being orders around, say, what a family structure looks like, Mm. or there could be orders around the political identities we hold, what it means to be Australian or anything like that. It's the sort of the rules or the norms around the type of identities and the things we do during our everyday lives. And Bauman says one feature of modernity is we're constantly trying to improve. We're constantly trying to adapt the orders of society. And as we do that, people who were part of old orders, people who had, say, a traditional role in a traditional family structure, they can start to get left behind. They can start to be called old-fashioned or not fit in. Mm. And that's one way that wasted lives can be produced in society.
0: Yeah. So anytime we create new social practices – this implies that some practices will be outmoded; they'll be left behind.
1: Absolutely. And
0: the people then who are attached to those practices, there are people who attach their identities to do, to living a certain way. They kind of become wasted. Mm.
1: It actually kind of makes me think about, and I, and before I say this, I do realize there's a big <laughs> risk of a Trump impression being motivated by what I'm saying. <laughs> but it makes me think about conservative politics and politicians who sort of feed on people feeling like they've fallen out of the, the social norms and that the, their opinions they hold, the jokes they make, the things they do are no longer valued by society. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> going to probably describe those people as wasted lives. Mm-hmm. They no longer act and behave and think what is considered appropriate in society. And it's what conservative politics sort of feeds on, this feeling of out of being out of place. I really want to do my Trump impression, Louis. (laughs) I'm trying to restrain myself. (laughs) But
0: I can. (laughs) I can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) Because when Trump says things like, we're going to make America great again, he's really trying to say, like, we're going to find a place for all the people who feel left behind.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, he could be entirely wrong. And indeed, that feeling of being left behind isn't just something that, like, conservative Trump supporters feel,
1: right? <laughs> yep.
0: According to Bauman, this is a pretty commonplace experience that people have because if his arguments around order building are to be believed, and then anytime we come up with new ways of living, new ways of structuring society – this invariably leaves some people behind.
1: Yeah, and it really links back into his work around liquid modernity as well because he makes that argument both in Wasted Lives and Liquid Modernity that it's not just the means of society, what you're supposed to use to achieve your goals that's changing rapidly, but it's the ends of society, what yeah. you're supposed to become, the, the outcomes of your actions. That's changing as well. So you just don't know what you're supposed to do and it's so easy to fall out of the norm and Hmm. become a wasted life. The second driver Bauman
0: identifies of how waste is produced in modern societies is economic progress.
1: Economic progress is probably one of the easier ones to understand, I think, because he's simply just saying that industries are rapidly changing. I mean, underlying all of this is that critique of modernity that we see across a few sociologists, that modernity is this constant drive to improve, to progress, to make everything more efficient, to make things better. We're using rational logic and science. And what that does, say, In an industrial sense, it means we're constantly creating new industries. We're creating better ways to mine or better ways to produce energy for our electricity grid. Hmm. And that's constantly leaving some people behind. If you're a coal miner, your days are numbered. Or
0: or let's say you worked in a company that produced fax machines. Yeah. (laughs) And your identity is tied to the production of these amazing... Mm. Not amazing, I would say. That's probably <laughs> two bowls yeah. of a claim. Yeah.
1: but but want yeah. devices... a fax <laughs> machines still there? <out. laughs> You're still
0: sending faxes. Yeah. Send us yeah. an email if you want to learn more yeah. about the podcast or a yeah. fax. Yeah, page <laughs> me at. <laughs> but, yeah, if you, but if your identity is tied to the production of this item that no longer is useful or is considered useful, then that maybe makes you an outcast in the society you belong
1: to. And not just your identity, your ability to contribute to the economy, which is like a sort of master way of categorizing the useful mm. from the non-useful in society. Mm. If that's tied to your you know, work in the, the fax machine factory <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> or the pager factory, yeah. then the moment that industry becomes unviable, if you can't get a job in another mm. factory and you can't pay taxes, you can't earn income, you have to rely on social welfare. Welfare or something else, Bauman says at that point you stop being a normal member of society and you start being a wasted life. This is outsider. even
0: captured, I think, in the language we use. When someone loses their job, when they're fired, when they're let go, they're oftentimes described as being made redundant. Mm. I mean, that's a horrible term, isn't it? Yeah. But Bauman would say that actually captures it very nicely.
1: Mm. And in fact, if you think about all the ways we think about and describe the the people who have fallen outside of the norm, say people who don't have a house to live in or anything, a lot of the language resonates with people being represented as dirty, as wasteful, as out of place. And I should quickly add here that Bauman's not saying that they actually are any of these things. He's just saying the way they're treated, they're treated as if they're these things by the structures of society. There's a great tiny quote here about the economic progress part, which is quite good. Bauman states, economic progress that cannot proceed without degrading and devaluing the previously effective modes of making a living and therefore cannot but deprive their practitioners of their livelihoods. So it's the same as Leonians. Every time you create a new industry, you can't help it. You create old industries and you create wasted lives.
0: The third driver of waste production in modern societies is globalization, according to Bauman. What's he trying to say here?
1: Globalisation is probably the most complicated of the three, I think, because the first two are kind of understandable. Modernity's constant progress, constant desires to improve the way society functions, and that mm. creates old ways of living, old identities, and waste. Globalisation isn't a driver or a motivator of wasted lives in that sense. What globalisation does is it spreads modernity around the world. Hmm. It spreads the societies that are producing wasted lives to every nook and cranny around the world so that if we think about what Bauman would maybe describe as early modernity centred in Europe, At that point in time, it's just that section of the world that Bauman argues is producing wasted lives. But as the systems of modernity, as the advanced industries, as the new political structures, as the constant drive for progress becomes the status quo across every part of the world, then every society is now producing wasted lives. So it's a spreading of the systems as opposed to a new system itself. But the other interesting thing about globalization is Bauman does also tie it to a change in how societies deal with wasted lives. Yes. So effectively, Bauman outlines a number of ways societies deal with wasted lives. Mm. Why not start with the nicest one?
0: Recycling!
1: (laughs) That's right. He really uses the analogy of waste through a lot of it. But yeah, recycling. And that's essentially the retraining, the reskilling of populations Mm. who have become wasted lives. So they're brought back into the fold and they can become productive members of society again.
0: They're they're made new again. They're made useful again. When you put an aluminium or aluminum, as the Americans (laughs) are known to say, can Mm. into the recycle bin, Mm. it comes back in a new form after the recycling process has done its thing.
1: Exactly. When that guy or girl who worked in the uh, fax machine factory (laughs) goes back to university (laughs) and learns how to do computer coding or something else that's valued by modern uh, economies, then they become part of the norm again and they're not a wasted life. Mm.
0: But there's also – Another way of dealing with waste and Bauman calls that local waste management –
1: yeah. So I suppose recycling's a little bit part of this, but recycling is sort of the nice side of a community dealing with its own wasted mm. lives. But it's not the only way that societies deal with their own wasted populations. Mm. For instance, another way would be the creation of social safety nets and welfare mm. systems where people who have become wasted lives can still have a certain amount of money and can still have some level of existence within society. Mm. But then on top of that, Bauman describes other ways of managing wasted lives within communities as being things like jails, effectively, Um, people who come from low socioeconomic areas, who never really had opportunities in life, who couldn't fit into the main industries, who didn't f- fit into the main orders of society, end up caught up in the criminal justice system. And then they just get housed and fed and live their lives out in jails. Hmm.
0: Or you might also think of things like urban planning yeah. where certain undesirable, quotation marks, uh, populations are pushed out.
1: mm mm-hmm
0: to the city's edge or sometimes the city center, it kind of depends on the context. But essentially, these are populations that are managed. They are sometimes removed from sight. They're policed in some substantial way.
1: Yeah. There may not be walls put up around these areas, but it's quite likely that police officers will go through those areas on a more regular basis. They're kind of controlled and coerced so that it doesn't spread out into other parts of the city, hmm. which, I mean, all this is quite appalling. This is hmm, 100%. It's, it's, it's not a good way. for for this to happen in a modern world but this is what Bauman says happens of wasted lives Mm. now there is one more though and this ties back into globalisation exciting because Bauman says one traditional way that societies particularly earlier on in modernity Mm. during the periods of colonialism although colonialism is ongoing but during the early phases of colonialism Bauman says societies used to deal with their wasted lives by shipping them away by Mm. sending them to other countries and indeed in Australia if you're not uh, a member of our First Nations people, we are a settler society and the first of those settlers were criminals.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 They were considered to be excess they were considered to be excised populations that needed to be sent somewhere, somewhere else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They weren't the best and brightest, to, to <laughs> quote Trump. <laughs> they, they sent us their criminals. <laughs> Except in Adelaide. By the way, we were recording this podcast. Didn't have convicts in Adelaide, South Australia. Find people on yeah. both
0: sides, Louie. Yeah, yeah.
1: Sheep, a lot, a lot of sheep Sheep farmers. Are they farmers? I don't know. Raisers. Yeah people, sheep people, but <laughs> <laughs> but not criminals. But yeah, anyway, th- that's, that was one of the main ways that societies at the start of modernity yeah. used to deal with their waste of populations, according to Bauman. But globalisation happens, right?
0: Yeah, and Bauman argues that the world is full now. What does he mean by that?
1: Yeah. Well, he doesn't actually mean that we're overpopulated. What he means is what we said before. Globalisation has now spread the processes that produce wasted lives to every part of the world. Okay. Yep. There's no longer a section of the world where the people hadn't uh, you know, submitted to the relentless progress of modernity and which say European countries could send their wasted populations to because every single part of the world is producing their own wasted populations. So globalisation has shut down that traditional method of wasted lives being dealt with.
0: All right, Louis. So then where does that leave us?
1: Well, I suppose the earlier ways that Bauman said wasted lives can be dealt with still occurs. Yeah. So, uh, And we see that a lot with people saying how we well, are supposed to have three or four careers, or maybe it's up to nine or 10. I don't know what it's up to now. But a big part of the narrative in Australia, and I think across many kind of wealthier countries, is that people should be expected to go back to uni or retrain and retool. So mm. recycling's still in play. But there's a lot of areas around the world where there's not enough wealth for governments to have large retraining schemes that are subsidised or to have large social welfare systems yeah. in play to help manage wasted populations. And so Bauman says what happens with a lot of wasted populations now is the production of refugees, is the production of people who, aren't, who don't fit in to their local society, their local country, and so they get pushed out kind of in a traditional colonial way. But unlike colonialism, there's nowhere for them to be sent. And so they become a global waste population, a Mm. kind of globally unwanted population that floats around looking for a home.
0: So essentially what Bauman is trying to bring to our attention then is how refugees are mistreated in this world that's full of waste.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting point because – on the one hand, we have refugees being the outcome of this system, which is yep. part of modernity. And Bauman's not someone who individualizes the problem, but through no fault of their own. Mm. It, it's, modernity is a problem. The relentless drive for progress is a problem. That's what creates wasted lives. And then the poor people who fall into the position of wasted lives... Bauman says that the terrible thing about this is that those people become subject of attack Mm. and criticism. We'll offload our anxieties onto these people. When a government's trying to calm a population about the stresses of modernity, Mm. it so often points to refugees or asylum seekers or outsiders and said it's their fault that your jobs aren't secure. It's their fault that things might be going wrong for you. And in fact, Bauman outlines three key reasons why refugees have become considered to be the problem and become the target that we all use to sort of unload our anxieties about this system. So the first of those is that Bauman says that to some extent, refugees and asylum seekers, they kind of represent the global elite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because if there is a group that we're going to blame for this system, it probably would be all the CEOs and the people who generate so much money out of constantly updating their factories and in these days maybe replacing people with robots in their factories. Mm. That's a whole new form of kind of uh, economic progress that's going to create wasted lives. Mm. So Bauman says when we come across refugees, we sort of see them as, in fact, he says, collective replicas of the new powerful elite of the globalised world.
0: Mm. Like if you close your eyes – And you just described some of the characteristics of refugees and also the global elite. There's a lot of overlap. There's a sense what nation states are being traversed by both.
1: Mm -hmm. Highly mobile – lacking a particular place or home because Mm. they can just shoot around the world and kind of land wherever they end up landing. Mm. Um, But there is one very important difference. Yes. (laughs) And in Uh, fact, this is the second reason. (laughs) There's quite a power disparity. (laughs) Yes, indeed. indeed. (laughs) Between refugees and the global elite. 100%. And in fact, Bauman says the reality is no government's willing to challenge the people who really make money out of this system of waste production. They're just far too powerful.
0: The system is privileged for them. And you can see Bauman's point here that it's really easy for governments,
1: for those in power to punch down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bauman says the elite is far too powerful to be confronted and challenged point blank. So let's confront instead the refugees. Exactly. Because they can be confronted without any concern for losing money, for for having – you know, factories moved out of someone's. <laughs> yeah, there's no territory. like
0: powerful refugee lobby no. that's dominating the discussion in governments.
1: I wish <laughs> that should be. I
0: mean, right? We should, that yeah. should be morally what's happening. Yeah, but in actuality, especially in places like Australia, mm. the interests of the well-off are certainly represented. Yeah, but you see less of that for those that are oftentimes scapegoated.
1: Yes. And in fact, this brings us towards the final reason that Bauman gives for why the refugees become the target for our discontent around Mm. this system. And this, for me, is probably the most interesting one. And it actually brings us towards... A segment we like to call,
0: Say What? (laughs) (laughs) We look at a quote in need of further explanation. Louis, you've got one for us today.
1: I do. So this is a quote where Bauman's talking about the way we uh, hate on refugees. And he says, one of the reasons this case is because they, and I quote, Bring home distant noises of war and the stench of gutted homes and scorched villages that cannot but remind the settled how easily the cocoon of their safe and familiar, safe because familiar, routine may be pierced or crushed and how deceptive the security of their settlement must be. And what I love about that quote is it shows that one of the reasons we're so threatened and confronted by refugees and asylum seekers is because they show us that the system can fail that the rights and protections that we supposedly have and that stop us becoming wasted lives can at any moment cease to exist and we could become wasted lives. Mm. The scariest thing about seeing an asylum seeker is thinking that could be me. Mm. I'm a little bit of political turmoil away from becoming asylum seeker and we can go further than that. One of the scariest things about, say, seeing a homeless person is the notion that if I lost my job, how long would it be when I had a roof over my head?
0: The insight I really appreciate that Bauman is offering here is that he's trying to help us understand why we blame the homeless person, why we blame the refugee. And this takes us full circle back to the story we recounted at the beginning of this episode about the Leonians. The Leonians, they didn't just produce waste. They were, like, repulsed by it
1: they were, because they had to distance themselves from it. They wanted to eviscerate it. They wanted to destroy it. They wanted it to never exist. And it's the same when we're confronted with people who have become wasted lives. We want to construct such a strong us-and-them narrative that we can't see ourselves in them, that they are fundamentally different from us, even though Bauman would say they're not. They're just people who were created as wasted lives by the system, as could happen to any of us.
0: So... We really need to view this from a systemic point of view. Mm. Why are we living in the ways that we're living? How do we deal with waste? These are very important questions to Mm. be asking. Now, of course, it is important to note that while a lot of people have found inspiration from this work, a lot of people have applied the ideas that are found in this work to a whole variety of different contexts, it's also been subject to a lot of critical scrutiny. There have been numerous critiques of some of the ideas contained in this work. And one of those is articulated by the work of Kevin Hetherington. And Hetherington really tries to tease out the fact that waste is never simply something that's just excised from a particular society. It somehow also finds its way back. And more than that, according to the work of Gillian Wiley, we maybe need to think of waste as having its own type of agency. Mm. And she makes this really interesting observation that Bauman is known for trying to articulate how a different world is possible, right? I mean, in fact, if you listen to our second episode of this podcast (laughs) about how he defines sociology as rendering flexible what hitherto seemed fixed.
1: Mm. It's upbeat. (laughs)
0: It's upbeat, right? Another world is possible. (laughs) She notes that. If you read Wasted Lives, you come out, like, really
1: depressed. Mm. In fact, Eric, I'd I'd (laughs) say you could do a study and just count how much laughing or how many minutes of laughing there's been in this episode. (laughs) I think we're probably way down on laughing. (laughs) This this has been grim. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to finish this and start crying.
0: (laughs) But, yeah, and so the question really then is, is that
1: it? It's a really important criticism, and it kind of feeds into a – a whole collection of criticisms that come towards Bauman and others who focus on these Really violent exclusionary structures in a way that doesn't acknowledge the agency and the experience and the resistance and the meaningful things that are produced by the populations who are excluded. Mm. Because it's not just like you're categorized as wasted lives and that's it for you until society decides to recycle you. Yeah. You're still a human being of agency. Even in the most dire circumstances, people find ways to resist and to generate yeah. meaning. And inside the structure that Bauman creates in this book, He doesn't really provide enough room for that to be acknowledged.
0: Yeah. So long story short, remain hopeful, everyone.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There there is one more criticism that I think has to be acknowledged about this as well. Let's hear it. (laughs) And that's that Bauman's structure sort of homogenizes exclusion. It homogenizes the creation of wasted lives. like. Mm is the creation of refugees really all about modern industries and modern order building in every society? It's like, what about just political exclusion? What about people being excluded because of their race or their religion or their ethnicity or their sexuality? Not everyone actually has an equal uh, ability to fall into the category of wasted lives. Mm.
0: And are there some types of practices, are there some types of identities that should be put on the margins of society, that should be outcast?
1: (laughs) Well, I think in some ways he does acknowledge that because he does sort of say that the global elite probably should be the target of our insecurities. But yeah, he does not acknowledge the fact that Even though he says we're fearful of wasted lives because we could all become wasted lives, you know, they bring home the stench of of gutted homes and things. But in Australia, the reality of there being political upheaval and the creation of refugees, at least for me as a white uh, Australian, is um, not very likely i have brought things on a down. <laughs> sorry, maybe. sorry. Finished, yeah. finished on the downer again. But you know, uh, sort of list.
0: <laughs> well, thanks very much for listening as always. Uh, we'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you. The Sociology of Everything podcast is created and hosted by Eric Sue and Louis Everest. It's produced and edited by Eric Sue. To learn more about studying sociology and other exciting programs online or in person at the University of South Australia, visit unisa.edu.au, where you can search for more details. The Sociology of Everything podcast is primarily produced on the lands of the Ghana people. The hosts of the podcast would like to pay their respects to elders past, present, and emerging. The opinions expressed in the Sociology of Everything podcast are that of the hosts and guest speakers. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of anyone at UNISA or the institution at large. If you'd like to get in touch or learn more about the podcast, then visit our website at sociologypodcast.com. Thanks for listening.